We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hi, Datables. Welcome to another episode of the Datable Podcast, where we are your dating sociologists. And it is our mission in this life to dig to the bottom of people's dating behaviors so we can help you explain it, navigate it, and somehow deal with it. So (laughs) that's it. That's our spiel. And that's exactly why we're talking about porn this week. (laughs) (laughs) Getting to the bottom of pornography. Why are we doing it? how it's affecting you, and when do you know if you have a porn addiction? 
It's a, it's a real yeah. thing. You know, porn is so fascinating to me because I feel like because we're millennials, right? And we were in the world where you had to get magazines and really seek out porn. And now it's so accessible to everyone. It's very fascinating to me because I still think I sometimes think of this mindset of like finding porn where I feel like now porn finds you. Yeah, it's everywhere. I could be on a random website and then there's some girl like shaking her boobs. you like, click on me, right. click on me. And it's like so ingrained in sex ed, obviously not school sex ed, but like mm. the education that younger generations are receiving. It's kind of like their gateway into sex where I feel like there's something about it being on a magazine versus a computer screen that makes it a little more detached. Mm. Then if you look at like VR yes. porn, it's really starting to become more and more realistic. It's it's very interesting. And I don't know, I think it's a little terrifying if I'm going to be honest. I, yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. And we talk about this on this episode is really how you use pornography. I will admit during the pandemic, <laughs> I uh, watch a little bit of VR porn into oh. it. I So for anybody who's not from San Francisco, there's this amazing strip club called Gold Club. Julie knows oh my I'm God. obsessed. UA's favorite place. I'm obsessed. I do not like going to strip clubs at night. I love going to strip clubs during lunch. And that's exactly what Gold Club serves. Well, they also, what they do, like a dollar buffet or something? It's $5, all you can eat, best fried chicken in the world. And sometimes they have tri-tip and sometimes they have salmon. <laughs> the amount of times you tried to get me to go on my lunch break, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, you ain't. And you know, JV team comes out to dance at lunch, <laughs> and they're just, they try harder to get your attention. There's less people there. Actually, no, sometimes it gets really crowded. But what I like about Gold Club is very, it's a very egalitarian place. There, You have people who are tech entrepreneurs, all the way to firemen, to construction workers down the street, because <laughs> everyone can afford a $5 lunch. Actually, it is the best fucking deal in San Francisco. Nowhere else else can you get a five dollar lunch no that's the true story <laughs> on that but that isn't what ultimately drives you you like watching like the women dance i right? love watching the women dance so when they closed down during lockdowns they offered a <laughs> vr subscription oh my god you <laughs> is like the first to sign up <laughs> and i happened to have a vr headset and i was curious it was like 10 bucks a month and it was <laughs> lovely you get to go into the private suite with these women and they get really up and clo close and personal and they're very beautiful and they're charming. I don't know. I I really enjoyed it and the music was really good. So to me, it was a form of entertainment. It was a form mm. of um con connection in certain ways because I miss Cold Club so much and I would have the best conversations with the dancers, right? Because like they see me as completely non-intimidating. So they come and sit with me and tell me about their lives and I tell them about what I do. And then we exchange phone numbers sometimes. Like It happens. It happens, right? And it's a great time. My guy friends love going to Gold Club with me because, of oh, course, I bet. all the dancers bet. come afterwards. Uh, I've actually recognized someone at Gold Club that I, a former co-worker of mine. Yes, it's true. 
Only in San Francisco. I feel like we have two really interesting perspectives because I have no judgment to porn. I really don't, but it does nothing for Mm -hmm. me. I could watch it and it does not turn me on in the slightest. And at all, you know, at all whatsoever. There's nothing in it for me, but I know you love it. So I'm curious, like, what is it? Mm. And like strip clubs too. Like I've been before and I think there's like a novelty factor that's interesting, but it's not on my like weekly to-do list like it is on your. Weekly to-do list, (laughs) Trader Joe's and Gold Gold Club. Club. Don't lie. You would try to, you would go weekly if you could. Yeah. If they offered a membership, my punch card would be full, girlfriend. (laughs) But what, okay. But I am genuinely curious. Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about it, but like, what is it that you really like about it? Okay. I've also asked myself the same question. I think it's because first and foremost, I find the female body so extremely sexy. Mm. And I love watching female bodies move. It is just the most beautiful thing. And sometimes it turns me on and sometimes, just out of curiosity, I just like to see the different bodies. There's just so many different types. So I'm just curious visually in that way. What turns me on is the fact that there is this act that makes people feel good and Mm -hmm. I can watch other people feel good and it's something that we can all get involved with and I Mm. I do like you know I'm nosy I have binoculars (laughs) I love voyeuristic (laughs) shit and in fact that Uh is the category I choose on Pornhub Mm. voyeur so I like kind of getting a peek into what other people do because it's such an intimate thing I'm just so like it kills me that I I don't know how other people do it do you remember you committed the ultimate faux pas at the sex party we went to that you told people that you were watching them remember (laughs) we asked if we could be voyeuristic and you and i were watching and like we did get approval by people that ran this party to do this so we were not being creepy but we were kind of just like watching from this like ledge up top and there was one couple in specific that we were watching and they were a beautiful couple and they looked like they were really getting it on in a way that you know was it was sexy but ua on the way out told them this as we're getting our like lift home, they looked mortified because they were not aware that we were watching them. They were absolutely mortified. They probably never went back. I'm so- God, rookie mistake. I was giving them a high five. I was like, yo, you two were killing it out there. You did so many positions. Your bodies are rocking. And they were like, please get the fuck away from us. You know what's so funny? It is really interesting that you said that you like doing it because you like you like to watch and be voyeuristic because you want to see how other people are doing it. Yeah. I feel like I never have thought about that. Like I always think I <laughs> maybe it's like self-absorbed, but I'm like, I'm doing it so well, you know, and maybe if you saw <laughs> other people, you would think like, oh, I'm not doing it as well as I think. <laughs> Well, you can't compare yourself. That's the thing. And that's what I've learned from porn is that there are just so many different ways of getting off and bodies are shaped in in so many different ways as well. So the different configurations will yield different results and you just can't compare yourself to other people. I just like the fact that everyone's got this one thing that they can do yeah, and get pleasure from it, right? And it's just like this one thing that's behind closed doors and I just want to know what they're doing. Would you want other people to watch? 
watch you. I thought about this too. I've definitely thought about this. Uh, not really. It doesn't get me off. I don't mind if mm. other people watch me. It does. The idea of it does not get me off. So I don't want people to watch me, but I do like places that I could potentially get caught. Oh, like semi-outdoor. Like but I wouldn't want to be... Like, I don't think I would be comfortable at a sex party where it's like people could visually watch like we were doing and doing that. Yes. But I think like places that like I could get caught, but I'm like 99.9% sure I won't get caught. But there's that 0.1% that's getting me going. Right. So in non-traditional sex places, like places that you shouldn't be having yeah. sex. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. It. That's so sexy. It's like a thrill, but probably not. <laughs> In reality, <laughs> I find that super hot until you get caught and <laughs> you're like, no, that's right. Not <laughs> then that might change this fantasy for me forever. I'll like never want to do it only in my bedroom from now on. <laughs> I still remember <laughs> I have two friends from college that were dating each other and they were having sex in a car in the middle of the night and the cop came and knocked on the window and she had to like cover her boobs and he was like, how old are you guys? And oh are you God. okay, ma'am? And she's that's like, I'm okay. Yeah. I mean, talk about totally losing your libido at that point i mean it was super hot until the cops until came. the cops came yeah that's that's a downer, <laughs> that's a downer. <laughs> you know it's so funny about i just like think this subs us up so well for how we met, we prepared for this interview with matt yeah <laughs> which is yeah. our guest today that he is a porn abstinence accountability coach so we go through like his whole journey of you know being addicted to porn essentially yeah. to coming out of it and being abstinent and and, you know, teaching other men his ways and seeing how it really impacted his life like any other addiction. Mm-hmm. But to prep for this, <laughs> I went I went deep into the Reddit forums, the nofap Reddit, which I learned is another word for masturbate, Fapist. which I did not know. Fap. Mm. Yes, I did not know this until recently. Mm. But UA, you watched hours and hours of porn, right? <laughs> hours. <laughs> hours and hours. And it really pisses me off because it takes me longer to find the video I want than it takes me to get off from that video. <laughs> yes. So hours is the correct description. So that sums up how we prepare for interviews. <laughs> Wait, tell right me there. more about this NoFap community and this Reddit post. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just people like holding each other accountable, like any other, you know, su- like substance type abuse. And it's it's interesting because we talk about this in the episode. I feel like that's not as commonly understood. Like you think of mm. AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, or NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Those are very like ingrained in our society as support networks, but you do not think of porn. Porn is a subset of sex addiction. Like I think there's been a little more, I've seen like movies that kind of have, there was like this Netflix movie about these two people that went to like a sex addiction group counseling type thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's making a little more mainstream but I you know it's interesting to me that like people do turn to Reddit and places on the internet to say this stuff because there is a lot of shame associated with it yeah and I think that's what we really dig into here too is that the shame exists um, it exists for the person that's doing the addiction with especially when it comes to porn and sexuality there's already like a built-in shame there and then there's a lot of shame if there's a partner in the situation I could totally see why you would have this like am I not good enough mentality which actually is quite in line with the question we got today so mm-hmm. yeah Yue do you want to kind of read that off I think it's a really good one that's super relevant so this person wrote in and said I've noticed that my boyfriend has been watching pornography with women who look nothing like me for mm. example 
he loves Asian pornography or pornography with women, and I am a white female. Should I be worried that he is looking elsewhere, or should I be worried about infidelity, or is this really not a big deal? Mm. Uh, well, Asian pornography is definitely very popular. <laughs> I know that. This is a hard one because it goes back to us saying we're not mind readers. So we're inferring, or in this situation, you're inferring that your boyfriend is interested in women who don't look like you. I think it's worth a conversation because we don't know if that's mm-hmm. the case. People use pornography in very different ways. We've also interviewed people who say that they like to fantasize about people who don't look like their partners yeah. it, as purely as a fantasy. And I think there's something very biological to that. It's, you know, we're curious. We're curious creatures and there's just so many different kinds of people out there. But it could be a problem if there is an addiction of some sort and if, if it's taking away from your relationship. So mm-hmm. ultimately, we can't be the judge of that. Only you and your partner can get an answer and get to an answer at least. And all you can do right now is have an open conversation about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I echo the statement of we don't know why. We don't know why they are looking at this subset of porn. We don't know. It could be the fantasy element that you said, or, you know, I think it's unrealistic to think that our partners won't find anyone else attractive other than ourselves too. Whether they act on it is a different story. And I think people can debate if porn is cheating. And I think that is a conversation that's probably between you and your partner and how you feel about porn. But I think the whole element of, you know, it kind of reminds me of like when someone says like I have a type just because they have a type doesn't mean that they're not attracted to you Mm. and also I've read like things about this and you could almost like view it as the highest form of flattery that even though they have a type they still want to be with you Mm. so I think it's all how you like spin it and talk to your partner and really see where it's coming from but I do agree like if you're not you know if your partner's not intimate with you and they're only looking at Asian women in this case, Mm -hmm. then it's a problem. If you're like feeling loved and supported and connected, then maybe not so much. It kind of reminds me too of just even outside of porn, but I think a lot of people see their partner looking at, you know, Instagram models, for instance, Mm -hmm. and liking photos and what is the line? And I think realistically, there's all types of, you know, women and men in all shapes and sizes, all colors of the rainbow, all of that. So I don't think that it's always going to be that your partner only likes one specific look. But again, it comes down to how problematic is this for you? It's always worth a conversation because maybe even just by hearing that it bothers you, it might change their behaviors a bit, or they might reassure you that it does not mean that they don't find you attractive in any way. Yeah, we have to be really realistic about what's coming up for us. And I think I've been in this situation where I asked, am I not enough? Am Mm -hmm. I not attractive enough? Is my partner going to cheat on me? And that comes from all of my own insecurities in the relationship. And that's what's coming up for me. So in this situation, have that open conversation with your partner, but also tell them what is coming up for you. I think sometimes our partners don't know that this is impacting us in such a negative way. So it's Mm -hmm. it's just so important to keep them in the loop, but do not jump to conclusions. You have to collect 
all the information first. I think it's also important to maybe look at it the reverse. Maybe you're not looking at porn because that's not your thing, or maybe you are. If you are, then that's even easier to make the comparison. What are you looking at? Yeah. And does that line up? I've heard of people that look at like women that look at lesbian porn and they're not in real life. They've never acted on being with another woman. But for whatever reason, the lesbian porn is drawing them in for whatever reason. And maybe that is the fantasy element of it, or maybe it's a completely different reason. We don't know. But I think even if you're not a porn watcher, I kind of think about it as like, I don't know, like I think Channing Tatum is super attractive. So hot. Yeah. (laughs) Most women that you pull would think that he or like Brad Pitt or George Clooney, like the people out there are super attractive. Does that mean that I don't think my partner's attractive because I think they're attractive? No. No. You know, it's like, it's not a comparison. And also, just because I think they're attractive doesn't mean that I'm, well, first of all, not going to date them because of many reasons. They probably don't (laughs) want to date me either. And I would never come in contact with them. But you never hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically, let's just say it in I, a perfect world, I could date them. It doesn't mean I would want to because I don't know what their personalities are like or I don't know how we would jive as a couple. Like, just because they're like an attractive person doesn't mean that that's going to be who you choose to be with. Mm-hmm. Sexuality is very complex. And I think it's important to notice that in your partner and also by catching them watching this kind of porn makes it seem like very sneaky and um, there's a lack of trust there. So maybe even go in with the mindset that maybe they're not sneaking around or hiding this from you. It just so happens that you are seeing it. Mm -hmm. So go in with an open mind, have an open conversation about it, and also go in with the intention of learning more about your partner. Yeah. And some of it just might be habits from long before they met you. (laughs) Maybe you've given them a new perspective. Like there's other ways to think about it too. True that. So getting into some announcements here, we have some really good news. Uh, So you know, a few months ago, we opened up a program called Finding Your Person. And it was it was hot. I mean, it was like people were, <laughs> were our wait list was completely full and our program sold out. Um, but we are now opening up the program again. So because we saw there were so many people on the wait list still. And of course, we want everyone to find their people. Mm-hmm. And um, the other side of this is that we've we've seen so much great feedback from the current program and um, people who are in it. So we really want to share this program with more people. We are opening this up only to our listeners. And to do that, you just have to go to findingyourperson.com, get yourself on the wait list, and you'll be informed right away as soon as ticket sales open up. Yep. And we we just wrapped up our first cohort. So that's part of why we're reopening this is that we both have the capacity. And I think up front, we wanted to see, you know, first of all, how it went. Mm -hmm. And then how did, you know, the results happen for people. And we've seen just astonishing results, whether it's people that are really looking at dating in a completely different way, or, you know, have a budding relationship that they're really trying to like, make sure it goes to that next level, or, you know, even doing the personal development. A lot of people have said that, 
I was maybe aware that some of this stuff existed for me. But until now, I didn't really see how much it got in the way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been really great to see people having those breakthrough moments because, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Sometimes finding your person takes time. And a lot of times it's understanding yourself is that first step. So we definitely want to open it up again. We have some additional capacity. Again, it's just two of us, so it's going to be limited. But also the holidays are around the corner. Cuffing season's around Mm -hmm. the corner. I think we we want to make sure we give back and give this wonderful program to as many of you that want to partake in it. Again, that website is findingyourperson.com. And we'll be putting up some uh, more details on our Instagram as well. So you can feel free to DM us there if you have any questions. Awesome. Okay, let's do a couple of quick messages from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We at Datable are huge fans of therapy and BetterHelp can match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. Me, for example, I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours. It was so quick. Now, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything from dating trauma, stress, anxiety, trauma with a big T, uh, depression, grief, you name it, they have someone who's an expert in that. We at Datable wish for all of you to live a happy, healthy life. And that's why as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash datable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp spelled H-E-L-P dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. This episode is brought to you by StoryWorth. This holiday season, I want to give a gift to my loved ones that makes them feel special and unique, just like the relationship we share. That's why I'm giving them StoryWorth, which is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question of your choice from their vast pool of possible options. The prompts are super unique, like... If you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? Hmm, I wonder how my parents would answer that one. And after one year, StoryWorth will compile all the stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm looking forward to looking through the books every year as a holiday tradition. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to storyworth.com datable and save $10 on your first purchase. That's storyworth.com datable. D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, let's get into it with Matt from Porn to Purpose. Porn, porn, porn. Uh, Have we dissected porn on our show yet, Julie? I don't think we have. We've had a porn star, my cleaner, but we have not dissected habits around porn and how it impacts sex in real life. Implications of pornography. And there are a lot of implications, (laughs) more than you think. So this is why we're going to have this conversation with Matt Sinkovitz, who is a porn abstinence accountability coach. 
Yes, he's 38 years old from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and he's dating someone but haven't defined the relationship. So here's a backstory about Matt. He had a compulsive relationship with porn for over 20 plus years, ordained Buddhist minister and mindfulness counselor now, and founder and coach at Porn to Purpose. He's coaching men in porn addiction recovering. Now he's very passionate about his mission to guide men in ending their habit of watching porn so they can reignite the passion in their own relationships and marriages and can be a better role model for their children and just people around them. So Matt, welcome to Dateable. It's nice to have you here. Julie and UA, thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Yes, we're so excited for this topic. And I'm not making a joke out of this, but it is true. I haven't watched porn in a while, so I did my research. (laughs) Well, you know, you got to stay up to date because, you know, I have to go through all the categories. What are the new categories that are out there? I'm actually surprised by the categories I was drawn to, you know, things change and I'm evolving. So my (laughs) pornography watching habits are evolving as well. But for you, Matt, what was your first introduction to porn? Uh, I think like most uh, boys age 11, 12, 13, something like that, maybe finding something around the house. You know, if a friend would introduce you uh, to a magazine or a videotape or a DVD, you know, I'm like, I'm at the age where I really didn't have like internet in the house until mm-hmm. like I was like high school pretty much. Or I was almost graduating. So for me, it was kind of like old school, you know, if I could, you know, catch like a NC-17 movie or something like that, it was, you know, that was like a treat. Scramble channels on uh, cable. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh, like I remember fuzzy, that. Like, like the Fuzzy Spice Channel. That's a, That was a real <laughs> Fuzzy Spice Channel. I feel like in today's day and age, though, like the access is just so much easier even. So pretty much like every probably young boy or even girl don't want to discriminate on who's going to look at porn. Like it's so accessible this day and age. Yeah, that's the trouble with it. It's like a, you know, touch of a finger, you know, away. Yeah. And that's wild to me because, you know, I had to look up the definition of pornography. I love looking at definitions because you have your own way of thinking about it. But the definition of pornography is that it is different from erotica. So Mm -hmm. erotica consists of the portrayal of sexuality with high art aspirations, focusing also on feelings and emotions. But pornography, and they're emphasized this, that it it involves the depiction of acts in a sensational manner Mm. with the entire focus on the physical act so as to arouse quick intense reactions so it's that it's transactional pornography does not involve feelings and i'm glad that they made that distinction when you were exposed to the spicy fuzzy channel matt what was <laughs> pornography for you well why was it so interesting well i think it has to do i mean you know as a young kid as a young boy it's just uh it's it's an exciting you know and in, in arousing uh subject you know kind of like first you know, being young, exploring your sexuality for the first time, for the first time, maybe haven't really like experienced a, a woman or a female at that time. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's kind of your introduction to sex. And you're also kind of like, as a kid, you know, viewing something that's kind of like bad and risque. So it's just, there's this like mm. element of excitement that, that comes with it as well. So how did it go for you from like something that you just, you know, happened to come across and watch or see to like a compulsion? Yeah, that's interesting. I was just, uh, I just did a, a show last night and I was talking about it with the, with the brother that uh, interviewed me and we are we are dissecting that as well and it's hard to say you know it, uh, it, it's one of those things that it meets certain needs you know I was like a, I, for myself I was a young I was kind of like a shy kid I was a little bit maybe socially backward I was more shy around women so for me I think it was a way to like explore sexuality understand sexuality mm. kind of maybe get that connection that I wasn't getting uh, outwardly I think I think it was a means of that and also 
porn was um, we've identified that it, it just like you know drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, it, it it becomes a way to kind of meet certain needs. You know, mm-hmm. just like if you find yourself standing in front of the refrigerator at 12 a.m. and you're not hungry, you know, you're there. There's there's something else that you're looking for. If if you've ever right. smoked cigarettes, a lot of times when you smoke, you just you're picking up that cigarette because you're looking for a, for a fix for some other reason. You know, so mm-hmm. for me, I think I think I developed this like emotional dependency on it, and mm-hmm. it, it becomes a way of kind of meeting all these different needs, which oftentimes are very unconscious conscious for us. And, and that, and, and it's, it's tied, you know, into our sexuality, you know, so it's a, it's a tricky thing to untangle once it kind of becomes a regular part of your life. And you say connection, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me, like when you, okay, so you started off as a young boy, you didn't have access to the internet, I'm assuming eventually this like progressed to watching porn online. Yes. What type of porn were you like in, interacting with? Was it more passively watching? Or were you talking to cam girls and doing things that were more interactive? Yeah, I never did the interaction thing i never got that far okay. and i never even got to do like this is probably gonna sound late what's uh what's the um one that everyone's really uh in on you could like be your only own. fans only fans yeah i never even did that but i saw so, so I, ne- I never really did the interactive thing for me it was kind of more passive i remember okay. when i was like younger like erotic stories were uh like arousing mm. to me and yeah then just like normal porn i think you know just viewing stuff pictures at first and then uh, uh onto videos you know so mm-hmm. how did the connection form? When you said you felt like a connection, mm. what does that mean to you, like with porn? Well, you know, as human beings, we all desire connection, you know, with mm-hmm. other humans. That's like a part of our, our makeup, I think. So I think if we're missing that in our lives, if we're lonely or disconnected, or we don't know how to connect, or we're maybe awkward in our abilities or desire to connect, then I think may- maybe we use substitutes to connect. I mm. think people use drugs. i, I qualify like an addictive relationship with porn as a drug. People use drugs as a form of connection. In, mm-hmm. in the work that we do, you know, like one of the ideas is that the opposite of addiction is connection. So whether mm. it be drugs, alcohol, or or food, it's it's like we're, we're attempting to connect with something through that medium. Maybe it's with ourselves and maybe it's we're looking to create that, you know, which we're not getting from others. So yeah, to connect with others. So some would argue that pornography is a good way for people to start exploring their sexuality, especially in, in our culture where we don't actually openly talk about sex yet. You know, in sex mm-hmm. ed, we're not seeing pornography. We're just right. talking about how to not have sex. Right. So what what would you say to that? Do you think that there are some benefits to pornography? Yeah, that's interesting. I take a very kind of like moderate stance on it. I don't take a hard line approach, you know, that maybe some would that say it's all bad or it's all wrong. I think there can be a healthy relationship with it potentially. I often liken it to any potentially addictive substance like like alcohol for my for instance I've never had like an addictive tendency toward alcohol or drugs right. I've been able to do those things kind of casually but some mm-hmm. people like one you know one sip of alcohol and it's like it's chaos you know mm-hmm. so so I, I don't I don't think there's like a, a clear definite like definitive answer for everyone around that I think it probably could be a, a healthy way to explore your sexuality I've talked to a lot of guys who are like yeah you know what I enjoyed it when I was a kid or I still enjoy it from time to time but it's not a regular thing it's not something and I go to often, a lot of times couples um, enjoy it within their relationship and it can be a healthy thing. But for some people, it becomes toxic because we we develop this bond and this dependency on it. You know, mm. sex addiction is like a, a very real category, you know, so it just mm-hmm. falls into that sex addiction category. So I would say, yes, it could probably be a healthy way to explore your sexuality. But for some people, it just has this really toxic kind of nature. I mean, I could see it make like dating is hard, right? And right. having sex is hard. <laughs> so I could see it being an easier way to like you were saying to get those needs met. Like have how have 
either personally or through other men you work with? Like, how has it gotten in the way of people's dating lives? I think massively because you get into this kind of loop. I mean, even for myself, uh, even in like my 20s and stuff like that, I this was this was when I kind of began to, to like be aware that it was like an issue. Like, it'd be easier or more satisfying just to stay home, you know, in mm-hmm. front of the computer than it would be to go out on a Friday night because everything you've got is every, everything like your wildest fantasies are all right there, you know? So mm-hmm. it's really easy to go that and to get dependent on that. And for a lot of guys, especially if you've got a regular relationship with it, it has this kind of draining effect. It fogs the mind. It makes you feel not very good about yourself. So that kind of has this cyclical effect of make like, you know, maybe you, you use porn, you masturbate, you're like you, all these like feelings of shame and all the stuff that oftentimes comes up mm. around it come in. And that just kind of like keeps you not wanting to go out. And so you just go back mm. to the porn, just like any cycle of drug use, you know, it's kind of like you, it, there's just this um, repetitive kind of nature about it, which keeps you in that cycle because it is easier to stay inside. You know, you can grab that dopamine hit really easy. You can get that connection. You can feel oftentimes desired. You can feel significant. Right. There's like mm-hmm. this aspect of stimulation uh, that occurs. So it meets a lot of needs. Like there is that, that side of it. So really easy to get stuck in that loop. And then when you're down, it's just easy to stay down, I think. In your line of work, do you see that there is a correlation between porn addiction and sex addiction? Oh, yeah. It's like it's in the same category. So whenever we do the work in our curriculum that we use with the men, we kind of generally, we focus in on the porn addiction, but like the overall uh, umbrella is, is sex addiction 100%. Yeah. Mm, okay. So then for yourself, did your porn addiction manifest into a sex addiction as well? No, I think it was more, I think generally speaking, thankfully, I've always been like pretty healthy in terms of like regular, like human sexual connection. That's, that was never really an issue for me. I wasn't like acting out, I think in unhealthy ways. I think, you know, as, as a youngster, I was like more promiscuous for sure. Like many of us are, you know? Um, so maybe there was some unhealthy qualities about that, but, um, no, for me, it was really just the, the porn seemed to be the, the, the problematic part for me. Did it like get in the way of your sex life? Because I've I've read places that like if you, you know, like masturbate too much, like you might not like actual sex because it's a different motion. Uh, yeah. And I'm speaking in hetero te- heterosexual terms in those relationships. What has been your experience with like porn seeping into like actual real life sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, porn, uh, again, and I'll say any potentially toxic, you know, habit or behavior has a way of affecting all areas of our life, you know, and, mm-hmm. and for me, definitely one of those was was my relationships. And again, as I like grew, I think in awareness, as I grew in consciousness, as I began to kind of wake up to the negative or adverse effects of this, I began to see these things more and more. But yeah, you know, it it creates a degree of secrecy oftentimes within the relationship. Mm. I would say in most cases, there's that degree of secrecy. And for me, it kind of created this sexual awkwardness that would would kind of come up. Mm. Maybe if you're using porn frequently, and then you go to engage and have regular sex, so you just kind of feel like a little bit uncomfortable in your own skin. That was kind of like my experience and the best way I could explain that. Or maybe you kind of know in the back of your mind, you're hiding something from your partner, or you just don't really feel like you're in, in real integrity. And then I think the most obvious forefront issue would be like, if you're using pornography regularly, and you're masturbating regularly, it's like when evening comes or whatever time of day, and your partner wants to connect, you know, you may be disinterested or just not present or just disconnected. You know what I mean? Mm, so it's right. like men operate a little differently than women, you know, oftentimes, like men after like orgasm, like need a break oftentimes, you know what I mean? So if you're mm-hmm. like doing that all day long, you know, or regularly, some guys have a very frequent, you know, relationship with porn, then when it comes time to be connected and intimate, like the desire is oftentimes not there. 
So there is something to be said with the way pornography is used and how it affects you, right? Because I think in my experience, in my own personal experience, as well as talking to friends, there are three different ways people use porn. One is reflection. So reflection of reality, what they experience. Two is fantasy. And three is novelty, something that they've Mm. never seen, they've never tried. It's just purely for the novel idea of it. Mm -hmm. Of the three buckets, which one do you think is the the most most dangerous dangerous if you were to be addicted to pornography? in that category. So I, I, I wrote this down because I'm like, this is interesting. So it's reflection. <laughs> uh-huh. And then the second one is what is to it? To see, fantasy, yeah. and novelty. Okay. Well, not being too familiar with those terms, I think the fantasy would be the most problematic because you're just mm-hmm. off in another world and maybe creating scenarios and engaging with scenarios that which aren't very realistic. And that's one of the things that I hear from from women, and 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 I'm hearing is becoming much more of a problem with with younger kids. These young mm-hmm. boys are being trained up with these really aggressive kind of yes. like sexual ideas. They're in that fantasy world, so when it comes time to like you know engage sexually, that's kind of what they're acting out of. Right. Living in this fantasy world not grounded in reality i think could be very problematic potentially like missionaries just not doing it yeah just ain't, yeah <laughs> ain't, ain't cutting it so wait wait what's reflection what does that so mean? like it reflects your reality so some people mm. some some people and you know it depends on my mood i like to see this too i like to see the woman who looked kind of like me and maybe she's doing it with a guy that kind of looks like someone i know and then they're they're in positions that i would do and it reflects reality so mm. it's kind of like oh i get to see a little bit of myself in this. But what you are saying is in the fantasy, it kind of warps people's perception of what sex is, especially for those younger kids who yeah. may not have had much experience. And I don't know if you've seen the show Euphoria. Mm-mm. Have you seen the show? It's about high school kids and it's coming of age, but also just the way they navigate around sexuality. And there's a scene where this very romantic kid is trying to have sex with his girlfriend and all he knows to do is throw her onto the bed <laughs> face down and starts just like doggy styling her. And she's like, what are you doing? He's like, do you not like this? Because this is what I see in pornography. So with that image in mind, did porn affect the way you have sex in a negative way or your connection with other people? Uh, I don't think it. I don't think it had an adverse effect on me in a negative way in terms of the, in terms of the way that I engage. Maybe it gave me some ideas around things, but I don't think it was ever unhealthy in that regard. But I would say, after kind of hearing your kind of description of these these three things, like the reflection, okay, I get that. The fantasy, I think I get that, and then the novelty piece. I'd like to speak to that if I could, because I think maybe I have some suspicion around what that is. That is another area that I see as potentially problematic for the for the young people out there, and like where porn can potentially take us, like especially. Especially in today's modern day of like ever escalating like porn genres, like if, like UA, you were out there kind of checking out genres and stuff. <laughs> yes, genres. That's a good word. Yes. It gets weird. <laughs> it gets weird today, you know? Um, it gets weird. Like if you went to Pornhub and like went looked at the categories, like it goes way far out and it goes weirder and weirder and weirder. Wait, what's like a weird one you've seen? Or I don't want to say weird because, you know, like so it could be someone's cup of tea. But exactly. <laughs> no, I think this is weird because I don't think this is right. This, this category is very hot. It's step siblings. Oh, steps hot oh, right, right now. Yeah. It's right, a huge one, right. and it's a very popular category. Right, right, and that in real life would be just wrong. It's just wrong. Step, you know, there's like animals. There's like the parental role thing. You know, it's just like it's just like whatever. You know, there's like old, young, like you name it. And it just gets weirder and weirder. Anime is a big one that I never kind of uh, got. Oh yeah, a lot of anime. You know, a lot of cartoons. There's like the shemale thing, and again, I don't want to because some people maybe that's just their thing. So respect, you know. Right. But I, I would say 
that's one of the dangers today is because porn is like a drug. And like with a drug, you know, it's like you need more and more. You need like a harder and harder fix to kind of get that fix, you know? So I think because of that, because of the demand, like the genres are getting weirder and weirder, like more and more bizarre. I think it's getting more aggressive and violent in nature to kind of mm-hmm. hit those arousal mechanisms. And and oftentimes what, what people are engaging, and I think they're engaging with it for the novelty. And oftentimes what we hear from guys right. in my experience was like, now I'm watching stuff that really doesn't even line with my true preferences and tastes, you know? It's right. just what I need to kind of get off. Well, I think especially when you're younger, it's so important to have those good sexual experiences early on because I do think they shape your outlook of what sex is and how you view it as you get older and older. So I could see this being really detrimental to one, you know, like the people you're saying that are watching the porn that are like, is this even what I like? Right. Like they mm-hmm. think it is. Right. And then also the people on the receiving end, like I was thinking about the example you gave UA about euphoria. Like that mm-hmm. would be horrible if that was horrible. like your first sexual experience. I would never want to have sex again if that's yeah. what someone did to me. Yeah. So I guess, Matt, like how did it show up then in your relationship? Can you give us like an example of a relationship you were in where it where you started to think this is problematic? Yeah, just very, you know, very, um, it was it was probably a relationship, uh, a great relationship that I was in probably in my mid to late 20s and great girl. And yeah, porn was a regular part of my life. So, you know, I was using porn daily oftentimes. So, you know, like maybe I'd be by myself or she'd be away during the day or something like that. I would use porn. And then so she would come home in the evening or it'd be, you know, would be time to go to bed. And I had already done my thing for the day. You know, I, oh. I was just kind of either one, I was so intrigued by like the stuff on the screen that just like regular sex wasn't as interesting or I I had already kind of spent my energy elsewhere so to speak. So did you ever like tell her that's what was going on because I could just see this as the woman in the position Mm -hmm. being like this guy is never interested in sex or he can never Mm -hmm. get off like I would think I was doing something wrong is where my mind would go. Yeah I would think so too so no I I don't I I don't think we ever brought it up we never really talked about it I also I'm not sure that I was that clear that it was that big of an issue at that time. So I might have not had the awareness to bring Mm. it up, you know, as I reflect back upon that, and I consider the lack of like sex in that relationship, I know that there's a portion of that was definitely like due to me and my disinterest at time. Mm -hmm. Was that what ended it ultimately? Or was there other reasons? I think I think it was one of those relationships that just kind of like the flame romantically just kind of died. I got to say this girl and I were still really good friends. We have like a great friendship and we still stay in touch regularly. So it was one of those relationships like we had our season and then we just kind of evolved into just like a friendship and then at the end Mm -hmm. of it we were just like we are great friends we loved each other we had this kind of mutual breakup and we just kind of went our separate ways but we were able to maintain the relationship which I think is ideal yeah I could see though some of it like if the sex is out though then it becomes a a friendship friendship, exactly exactly yeah and and, you know for me that was part of my thing I was like I really desired like healthy you know passionate intimacy and relationships and I knew porn affected that so like for me that was a big driver to be able to really experience that, that high quality connection within relationships. Well, let's let's actually add to that a little bit. I want to know what was the tipping point for you to say, I have a problem. I'm going to mm-hmm. try to solve this problem or navigate around it. And then going all the way to now I want to help other men with the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it was just, I was in my 30s, you know, it lasted from my teens into my 30s. And um, I 
just kind of like began to have this awareness that it was something that I had to, I had to hide in my life. I become it became really conscious of like the way it it adversely affected me, you know. Mm. And it was something that I had like decided like multiple times. Like I'm like I'm done. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I don't want to go back. But I continued to return. So mm-hmm. and 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 so and I was also kind of moving more into entrepreneurship. I was moving more into service and like feeling called to like serve and and move my work and in, in, into the service of others. And I kind of felt like I had this skeleton in my closet unresolved. And I felt like it was like literally inhibiting me from moving into the work that I was supposed to be doing and and the life that I was supposed to be living. So I think all the adverse effects emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, that result, just kind of like being done with that and um, having wanted to quit, but not being able to and continue to return. Mm Porn is one of those things that most guys try and resolve on their own most of the time, you know, for like a long time before they realize it's an issue. And then third, you know, my whole organization is called Porn to Purpose. I was feeling called to to live my life in greater integrity and greater nobility and, Mm. and greater purpose. And I felt porn was like a spiritual ceiling to me, I felt of sorts. And I couldn't engage in the work the way I felt I needed to and wanted to with it still present in my life. So that was it. And may I continue? Yeah. Okay. So what I ended up doing was uh, I had been heavily involved in personal and spiritual development and I've always hired coaches. I've worked with a lot of coaches and mentors. So I was like, coach, you know? And so I ended up dropping a couple uh, grand on like a group coaching program and I worked with Mm. a coach and I got into community and accountability and did the deep work. And I did the deep work that was really required. Like a lot of people try and quit and they just kind of try and bare knuckle it. But what's really required is like a transformation internally. And we have to like learn to turn the lights on and see these needs that we're tempted to meet by going to porn. And we have to recognize that right. oftentimes we're emotionally immature as men. And maybe I go to porn because when I'm feeling distressed or when I'm feeling anxious or when I'm feeling sad or when I'm feeling lonely. But the healthy thing is to learn to sit with these emotions and be with these emotions and maybe this discomfort and then meet those needs in a healthier way. So I had to kind of go in and do that deeper work and do some healing and help that little boy mm-hmm. that was still inside me like grow up you know you know what's interesting the way you're describing it sounds like you know the deeper effects of like drug and alcohol mm-hmm. abuse exactly. right and addiction but in those worlds getting help and support is very normal right. I mean, there's mm-hmm. aa na like those are establishments that have been around for decades but you don't think of getting help for porn i could see why people would just be like i can take care of this yep. like, why do you think that isn't the right approach well you know i've, I've been thinking about that a lot lately and i'm like i should pose a question on Facebook, you know, like everybody seems to have some sort of issue one way or the other, or some level of embarrassment or shame or awkwardness around sexuality. Like it's very common to kind of feel not feel that comfortable around our sexuality. And I don't know if it's normal, it's just like a part of being human, or I don't know if it's like societally programmed into us. But for whatever reason, there's just a lot of shame around it. And sex is oftentimes not a subject that is comfortable to talk about. Um, yeah. it, there's a lot of embarrassment. People might laugh at you, and you might feel like a weirdo. You might feel like a creep. I felt like a weirdo and a creep. You know, that was another like I don't. I don't want to feel like that. And um, so, yeah, people just do not feel at liberty to to explore these things oftentimes. So how do clients find you? What point are they at in their porn addiction for them to seek help? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, so I run a, a pretty large online Facebook community, a private community for men. So we get men into community and we get men into accountability and we have these conversations and we provide a space and a forum for men to get in and start having this conversation maybe for the first time that maybe they've never shared with anybody else. Maybe this is mm-hmm. hidden in the darkness for their, the entirety of their life. 
life. And now they can finally start bringing it forward and recognize I'm not the only you know one out there. That's typically how I connect with my clients, either that or a referral. Um, I'm, I'm quite active on social media and stuff. And oftentimes the guys that, that come to me and do the best are the ones where it's all on the line. You know, I find that guys that are like fathers and husbands, their families, mm. their relationships are on their line. They're not, they're disconnected in their relationships. They're not intimate. Oftentimes they feel like a fraud in terms of uh, a father and a husband. And so they got a lot on the line and that's typically the guys that show up and, and are ready right. to commit to the work and actually do the work necessary to create the transformation. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I could totally mm-hmm. see that. I definitely want to dig into like who's coming to you a little more because I think this is interesting. We keep saying guys and we think about men. Do you ever see women coming to you or facing this challenge also? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. So of course, not as not nearly as much, right? Because maybe I, I've been learning that women, many women have a relationship with porn, but I think guys and, and girls are just different. You know, I think we have a different experience with it. You know, guys are very visual and I'm not sure exactly like what it is, but I think, you know, it's, it's like women seem to like the like as, as as UA was saying, you know, she likes the positions and these kind of different mm-hmm. things, and maybe maybe intimacy and connection maybe is more more uh, intriguing. But for guys, it's not really about that. As you mentioned, it's transactional. It's about the act, you know. It's about mm-hmm. the penis and the vagina, you know, and the orgasm. So so I think men and women are a little bit different, probably in their experience in the relationship with porn. But I know there's a lot of women that have issues with it. I know there's forums out there of women that have issues with it. Okay. I'm not sure what the female experience is, but I do get women that reach out to me often. Sometimes the women that reach out to me though are inquiring about their husbands because they don't yeah, get I was what say, their husbands <laughs> are going through. for their partner. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have had some women reach out to me that are just kind of dealing with general sex addiction stuff, and mm-hmm. I have a lot of women raise their hand to be like, "I like porn, like it's a regular part of my life for me, and I'm cool with yeah. it." Yeah, and- but I see that is a double standard of society because women can proudly say that they like porn; it's like a cool thing. Right. Yeah, and I don't know any women who hide the fact that they watch porn from their partners. It's right. like, right. let's watch it together. Or I watched porn today. I mean, I just texted my partner today. I was like, I watched porn for an hour. What do you, what do you think about that? He's like, cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for, for men, there is shame tied to yep. it. I don't actually know where that comes from. But I think I'm guessing that's what's feeding into the addiction is the I shouldn't be doing this. Right? Yeah, for sure. And, and, and I'm not sure again, if that's like, because maybe something inside of us like just says it's not quite right. Or maybe it's something we've been told. And it's a story that we have, you know, so. Mm. Okay, let's hold that thought as we take a quick moment for some messages. This episode is brought to you by Pros. Most of you have probably heard me talk about Pros, the world's most personalized hair care, and I want to update you all on the incredible results I've been seeing since using my customized products, which include a personalized shampoo, conditioner, and a pre-shampoo mask. My hair is now noticeably smoother, and I used to have really frizzy hair, and now it's much easier to tame. I personally really love the pre-shampoo mask because, well, it smells incredible, and it just makes my hair feel even softer. To get started with the personalization process, you take an in-depth hair quiz with questions around where you live, your diet, and your lifestyle. And they even take into account stress. By analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Pros is a healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash datable. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. 
This episode is sponsored by Vaya. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Vaya has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Vaya also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Support for Datable is brought to you by Incipio. Incipio offers legendary protection for all of your devices from phones to AirPods to tablets. They obsess over their tech to protect yours. It's like Incipio's line of products was made for me because with their phone cases, my phone is protected from drops as high as 14 feet. The cases are also wireless charging compatible and there's a lifetime warranty. So they've got you covered. I have the Organic Core Clear Case, which is made up of 100% compostable materials that reduces landfill waste by naturally re-entering the environment from where it started. All of the packaging is made out of 100% recyclable materials with eco-friendly water-based ink. Now for Datable listeners only, we have a special offer. These incredible cases are now available for purchase at incipio.com and you can use the code DATABLE for 20% off. That's I-N-C-I-P-I-O.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 20% off. So you said the people that come to you that have a lot on the line, I could totally see that, that are in relationships, you know, that 
their partner does not like this habit. Do you ever see like the flip side of people that just don't have any sexual and relationship experience that, Mm. you know, have gotten caught up in porn? Like we were talking about earlier, it's easier. It's a way to connect. Or do you find those people aren't coming to you as much because they don't see it as a problem? Yeah. Those like the, like the single guy, the bachelor, you know, um, he might recognize it's an issue, but he might not have the incentive in his life to really do something about it yet, you know, either until he's in that relationship or, you know, he desires to be in that relationship. But I do get single men that come in. Another category of men that oftentimes works out well is the impact-driven entrepreneur, kind of like myself, you know, that that knows he's called to be more and to do more mm-hmm. in this world. And he knows that porn is out of integrity or out of alignment for him. So he wants to get it resolved so he can, you know, step into, you know. Live the life he's supposed to. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. We were kind of talking about it earlier. It's, it's such a vicious cycle for these people that don't have a lot of experience. Right. This is basically hindering them from getting that experience. And I love what you said earlier that the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what you're not getting. Like if we have listeners out there that are in that position, that they feel like dating is just so hard and I can't do it. And this is better than nothing, essentially. What advice would you have for them to help them get out of that cycle and start connecting with actual human beings? Now, are we assuming that maybe these users would be like porn users? These, these people would be porn users or is this like just general... Yeah, let's say they're porn users just because of this topic. Yeah, I mean, porn to purpose, right? That's that's the whole kind of that's 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 the idea behind the work that we do, and that really spoke to my journey. For me, it really comes down to like tapping into a vision for your life. Like you've got to wake up to the issues that porn is creating in your life and the way that it impacts your life. And then we get clear on like what we want to experience. Like what do we want in our relationships? What do we want in our work? You know, what do we want in maybe our spiritual connection, our relationship with God? What do we want in our physical health and our sense of vitality? And we recognize that porn affects all these areas. So for me, it's like getting to this point where like I want something different, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just kind of recognizing that there's more more out there. But that really is that purpose, that vision, that why is such a crucial piece in the long-term journey because uh, you got to have something to really incentivize you to make the change. And with that, I would love to know only as much as you can share of the clients that you've had, because I can see some people saying like, how bad could it actually get? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how bad it could actually get? Can you give us any stories? Oh uh, Yeah. I mean, I think I could give you like generalities and uh, mm-hmm. like, like what I commonly see, you know, I, I commonly see, you know, 40, 50 year old men who have had porn addictions for 30, 40 years since age, you know, since, since their teen, maybe it started off as just being like a wild young man and being very promiscuous and going to a lot of strip clubs and maybe prostitutes and stuff like that. Maybe just general like womanizing, but then it kind of gets dark or maybe they're in a marriage or a relationship and it becomes something that again, they use as their outlet. It's like their go-to and it becomes something that's secretive and hidden. And then ultimately it, it, it becomes like this really disruptor within the relationship. There's hiding, there's lying, there's secrecy, there's there's jealousy, you know, there's lack of mm-hmm. intimacy. A big issue for a lot of guys out there really prevalent is like ED issues, like, uh, you know, issues mm-hmm. in the bedroom and oh. inability to like perform sexually. So that really has an impact on a man's sense of self-esteem and self-worth. And so the, the worst case scenarios is like children coming across dad, you know, masturbating in front of the, the computer, oh. you know, mm. kids, kids finding um, dad's porn stash, um, the, mm. the, the husband and wife haven't had, you know, been intimate for years, you know, um, a lot of lying, the man's, the husband's connecting with women online, but neglecting his, mm-hmm. his partner. In the worst cases, these sexual tastes, they evolve and they evolve. And some people 
navigate into really dark places yeah. and also illegal places. And that's another, and that's mm. another direction that can be really uh, problematic, you know? So it could get really dark and really low. So do you see women wanting divorce and stuff or like, or is it hitting like those points? hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Women just, disgusted with their husbands especially right. when they catch wind of oftentimes these really extreme genres that yeah. men find right. themselves yeah. in you know yeah i could totally see that like how do men share this with their significant others mm, yeah. or like you said that you're you kind of never shared it with your ex did you ever tell her at any point like or she knows now friends <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i never really shared it and, and, and never felt like it was well she like knows now obviously because like we're in touch and she knows that i do this work exactly right she's like all these years later exactly. it all makes That's sense to her on, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's really difficult again there's a lot of shame there's a lot of uh guilt around it again it's it could be just like embarrassing to bring up but also like you know maybe then how you're perceived as a husband as a partner like like a guy that can't get his uh his his stuff together you know Uh, i think that's what like stops a lot of guys from getting the help one they don't feel like they can bring it up but two Mm. they like like how do you get your partner on board to say this is such a big problem that i need to like invest in this group coaching program and like i need to i need to take some money out of savings and, and do this work and like it's that bad you know so i think there's a pride aspect of it as well i think that's a good way to put it Mm. And like, how can partners meet their partner if they did come to them with something like this? Yeah, I can imagine it'd be really difficult. I could totally see that. It could. It could. And and, and I think a lot of women feel as though there's like a degree of um, infidelity, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so a lot of women oftentimes feel jealous or betrayed, you know, yeah. um, angry. Um, and so, I, but I think the best thing you can do, because it is a difficult thing to, to bring up, is be understanding to be loving, to, to listen. And if, if the man is sincere and he really wants to bring it up and wants to take action, like support him in taking action because it'll mm-hmm. drastically improve like the quality of the relationship and, and certainly, you know, his life. Well, I could see the shame coming in for like the partner too. Like this, I'm not yeah. enough. Oh yeah. I definitely for, see that. For sure. Yeah. And then for yourself in your own experience with porn addiction, do you still experience relapse or is it like, are you fully cured of it. I don't even know what the right vocabulary for this. Yeah. So, so I'm totally abstinent from porn. Like uh, for me, again, it's one of those things that I don't think I could do or even have a desire to do kind of like casually because it becomes problematic. And I just don't like the way it makes me feel, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't don't like uh, the way it affects my sense of integrity. Plus I really feel like because I do serve a community and because I serve men in this work, I feel like I need to be the model of that and, and demonstrate, right. you know, the example. So, so for me, I am uh, fully abstinent and, and I don't think a kind of a casual relationship would be, would be ideal. Exactly. But how do you, mm, how do you protect yourself from everything that's out? Uh, like on Netflix, like that show Sex Life, it's not pornography, but it might be, right? So I, I'm, I'm a vigilant, I'm vigilant. And it's like, be careful, little eyes, what you see, you know, like I grew up in church and that was like a children's song, you know, but for me, like I just live with a high sense of integrity around it. I've got Covenant Eyes, which is an accountability software. I've got like accountability software on my oh. computers, on my okay. devices. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got like people that hold me accountable to this work. Like even on Facebook or Instagram, if I see a girl 
girl that's really like flaunting herself and being really sexual, you know, of course, sometimes like I'll click on the picture, but like if I'd noticed that, like I like unfollow the girl oftentimes, you know, mm. um, I try and just like really clean up my environment. In our work, we have this um, whole process we call clean up the field. And it's really to create like a more pure environment. So our minds aren't going there in the first place because it is sex sells and it's everywhere, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't really watch stuff like that on Netflix, you know, and, and like on YouTube, I've got the parental controls setting switch. Mm-hmm. So I don't get like really adult suggestions on there. And on YouTube, on like Facebook, I unfollow and I've got accountability stuff in place. So I've just put measures in place to create a more kind of like holy environment. So I'm just not really going there as often. And if I did relapse, it would be hard to look my, my guys in the, in the, in the eyes, honestly. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. holds you to a very high degree of accountability, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it definitely reminds me of like substance abuse and like, that's why people like forever will stay with groups, right? For the accountability. And this is, it's addiction isn't like a one and done thing. It's yeah. something that can last an entire lifetime, even if you're in recovery. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we always hear of how detrimental substance abuse can be to relationships. Do you feel like porn abuse is in the same category or do you think it differs in a different way? Well, I mean, obviously like substance abuse, you know, you might be out of your mind and do something crazy. You know what I mean? So I know probably not going to do that with porn. You might spend a bunch of money, you know what I mean? On on, on a prostitute Mm -hmm. or online or something like that. I'm sure that's a problem. But I, I would say it's different in that regard. But in, in the way that it could be damaging and toxic and disruptive, I think it's it's absolutely relevant to the conversation. And I just wanted to say also, I was I, I recalled UA's request. So for me, it's still like a daily choice. You know, I do think right. what I find is I've, I've, I'm practiced now in making the healthy choice. Like I don't really go there. My mind doesn't really go there like it used to. I, I think I've reprogrammed my mind in many ways mm-hmm. and, I've, and, I've, and I've shifted my identity. Like I'm no longer that man. But um, I still have to be vigilant and I still have to be mindful. I still have to be watchful and, and cautious. And I still get triggered. The, st- the thought still mm-hmm. crosses my mind. But I'm just, I think it's like the less we water certain plants in the garden, it's like they begin to die and we can, we can allow yeah. new things to grow, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I definitely see like the, like what you're saying about the dangers of substance abuse that isn't there as much because it's not mind altering. Right. But I do think what I'm hearing is that a lot of like the, the fallouts of relationships can be similar. The, you know, sneaking around, the lack of trust, yes. like all yeah. of those aspects of how it impacts. Like, I guess now that you're not doing this, how has this changed your current relationship that you're in, either in terms of just, how you show up presently and then also like your sex life. Like world's different, you know, like porn, I think generally speaking, robs us of our power as men, you know, especially if there's a lot of masturbation involved, because like when a man ejaculates, there's that energetic kind of drain that occurs, you know, it's like the rest period that's often, you know, occurs. So I think what I meant is constantly doing that and is constantly out of integrity. If, he, if, if it's a problem for him, it just drains us of our power and we're just weaker men as a result of it, you know? So for me, Again, I recognize that porn was affecting every aspect, every area of my life, my relationships, my spirituality, my work, my business, my sense of purpose, my income, and my health, like my energy, clarity of mm-hmm. mind, you know, like you don't really, you don't go to the gym as much, you know, you don't, you're not as ambitious, you don't have that drive. So for me now, the relationship that I am in, you know, I'm clear, I'm powerful, I'm strong, I'm in integrity, I think I'm honest, the, the sex is great, like you're, mm-hmm. you're powerful, you're connected, you know, it's like, it's like the porno that you're like, you know, uh, fantasizing about all your life, it's like happening, you know what I mean? It's like good, mm-hmm. you know, so 
yeah, really high quality in that regard. And um, yeah, just a more powerful, present, intentional man, you know. We kind of glossed over this in your intro, but you are an ordained Buddhist minister. Right. What does that mean? What does that entail? Mm-hmm. There's like a, there's many pieces to my story, obviously. Uh, but like when I was like around age 25 or so, I, I was in this really dark, depressed um, place, and um, I was like suicidal, and I was really dealing with a lot of obsessive, kind of tormented thinking. I was really unhappy with just uh, crap going on in my head. I didn't like myself. I was just in a dark place, you know. So I, I was looking for a refuge, and and I and I found mindfulness and meditation. You know, mm-hmm. and that ultimately led me to to Buddhism, and I'd really dug mm-hmm. deeply into that. I grew up in a very Christian household, and um, I, I got really into Buddhism and, and mindfulness and meditation, not as a religion as much as a way of life and a philosophy for, for living and a philosophy of well being. And I ended up, you know, really um, connecting with the community and following, uh, working with the teacher, and I ended up training with my teacher. And you know, I went through a seminary because I wanted to deepen my own studies. And through that work, I kind of woke up to this um, realization that I wanted to do this work full time and be of service to others. And I didn't when I when I started doing like the Buddhist stuff, and I went to seminary and I went to you know do my my minister training. I wasn't thinking I was going to be doing this work around pornography, but I felt like a calling <laughs> in my life. And you know, ultimately, I went on when I grew up. I was doing missions work and prison work and stuff like that with my parents in the Christian faith. So as a Buddhist minister, I ended up doing prison work and leading meditation in prisons and then going and and doing um, chaplaincy work in in hospitals. I just did a year residency as a Buddhist chaplain in a hospital. So that's kind of how I I ended up there because I was just in a dark place and ended Mm -hmm. up digging deeply into my studies and then going in deeper with my teacher and and wanted to go through the the seminary program and becoming ordained. I think that's so fascinating because a lot of addiction is an escape, right? Mm -hmm. And you've been able to find a way to funnel that with mindfulness in a way that, you know, connects to you opposed to like escaping reality and, you know, allows you to serve like that purpose. And I think that is a good way, a segue to takeaways. I think what I've gotten from this is that, you know, like any other addiction, porn becomes problematic when it interferes with your day-to-day and the life you want to live and your purpose and connections to others. Like I think all the basic human needs that we have when those get sideswiped because we're so focused on something else and it becomes an addiction. I think we think of addiction as, you know, the big ones like drug and alcohol, but really addiction can be anything that really gets in the way of you living the life you want to be living. And like you said, there's always a thin line some people can look at porn and be completely unaffected by it. And then others, it gets in the way of them having meaningful lives and relationships. So it's all about, you know, staying true to yourself and where you want to go. And I love what we were saying with like, even if you're not there yet, having that vision and staying committed to the vision is like so important to like living the life you want and being able to recognize what's getting in your way. Nailed it, Julie. Nailed it. Mm -hmm. I think it's really empowering to know that we have control over our lives and Mm -hmm. what we choose to see in our environment. And the fact that you cleaned up your environment just shows that it is possible. I think everything in this world is whatever you put out there, you get it back. So if you put out that you don't want this sort of distraction or toxicity in in your life, then you don't get that back. And we have the power to clean that up. I also think there is something to be said about how we use 
the tools or entertainment that's available to us, just like dating apps, right? You can Mm -hmm. use it for good or you can use it for evil. And I think with pornography, if it detracts from your relationship, then that's a negative way of using it. But if it adds to your relationship, I can see it Mm -hmm. being like for me, I think it adds to my imagination. It makes me want my partner more and it makes me excited when I'm away from him. But I can see it being bad if it becomes like keeping up with the Joneses. I can see opening up Pornhub and being like, everyone is fucking except me, right? And having that feeling like I need to keep up. That's not a good feeling either because then you end up judging your own reality. So how we choose to use porn is also in our power. I I really enjoy talking about porn openly. And I think maybe sometimes that takes away the shame with it. And and Mm -hmm. I do think there's something to be said just about being open about sexuality. And it's not just pornography, just sexuality in general would probably benefit us. Yeah, I was going to say like my other takeaway was like, it's unfortunate that our society is such stigma and shame Mm -hmm. around sex and all, all sorts of addiction too. I mean, that I think prevents people from getting the help they need, right? And Matt, you kind of said that is that's the biggest barrier is the shame of actually admitting that there's a problem. But I think we should celebrate people of taking control of their lives instead of shaming them that they're doing something wrong, because that's just going to be a perpetual cycle that keeps someone in a place that isn't serving them. And like, you're living proof that like, you can't come out of things if you put your mind to it. It's 100% possible. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Anything else to add, Matt? I know you like live and breathe this stuff, but... (laughs) Um, No, you know, uh, uh, there's always like a lot of stuff I could say, but I would just say, you know, a couple, a couple um, ways that we kind of like identify, like, you know, is porn a problem for me? Is this something an issue for me? Now, I'm not sure how many men listen to your show. Um, we have a quite lot. a few men, <laughs> a lot of men. Yeah. But, but a, a couple ways that I think one could maybe judge or, or gauge, you know, is this problematic for me? First of all, you probably just kind of know, you know, like on a gut instinctual level, if it's cool with you or not. Another way is like, what is your experience with uh, uh, of pornography, like around pornography? Like after you use it in the days and the weeks that follow, like how do you feel about yourself? How does it mm. affect your sense of self-confidence, your sense of self-worth, your your energy levels, you know? Feel socially awkward, sexually awkward. Like pay attention just to like the direct immediate feedback that you receive. Number two is, is it something that you are having to hide in your life? Mm. You're having to hide it from your partner. You have, if you have to sneak it around, if you handed your phone over right now to your partner to like, to, to go through it, like, would you be okay with that? Like, is it something right. you have to hide and sneak? Is that like a sneaky energy in your life? Mm. And, and number three, have you told yourself or decided at some point that you were going to quit, but you continue not to, those would be mm. some great indicators that you could use to gauge. And I think if you wanted to begin to explore it, get into just like get into community is a great first step. You know, just get around other people that kind of, uh, as you mentioned, Julie, normalize the conversation for you a little bit, allow you just to get it out a little bit and just kind of recognize you're not alone in this journey and you can begin exploring some resources that way and get some support. So, Well, that's why I think like Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous has been so successful and helpful to people because it gives Mm -hmm. community at the end of the day. So I'm really glad to hear that there is this for porn and you're like helping lead the way. I guess like for people that want to learn more that might be going 
going through this, what are some ways that they can kind of get in touch with you and find these communities? Yeah, well, thanks for thanks for that opportunity. Uh, so I, I run a Facebook group online. It's currently called Making Peace with Porn. It's a private group of uh, men only from around the world. The name of my coaching organization is Porn to Purpose. So we're thinking about changing the group to Porn to Purpose. So if you search the group, it'll either be Making Peace with Porn or Porn to Purpose. That'd be a great way to connect with us on Facebook. Or if you'd like to connect directly, if you're a man or a woman, maybe you're a female and you've got mm. some questions about it, you know, regarding your partner or whatever, making peace with porn at gmail.com would be an easy way to connect with me as well. Great. Can I ask one more question actually yeah, before we go please, out? Please. Do you typically work with heterosexual males or do you see this with like LGBTQ plus community as well? Yeah, I understand it's very prevalent in the homosexual and the LGBTQ community. Hopefully I said that right. Um, I, I, I understand it's very prevalent there as well. Generally speaking, I work with heterosexual men. I have worked okay. with homosexual men. Oftentimes, if, if a man is kind of more in that court category, he might be a man that deals with what he calls same-sex addiction, or maybe it's like an attraction toward other men, or maybe like bisexual men. Um, mm. So they're kind of working through navigating that terrain in their own life. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to help all. But generally, it is heterosexual, like identifying men. Yeah. Got it. Well, thanks so much, Matt. I mean, this is a wonderful conversation. And I'm glad that we're open, openly talking about it. And for you know any of our listeners who want to learn more, you have all the resources now. We are going to wrap up this episode. But before we do so, we always like to say this. We love you. We hope you love us too. And if you do so, please go into Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write something nice or write something insightful. We love reading those love notes that you've all been sending in. Those are great. <laughs> and you can always tag us on Instagram at Datable Podcast if you have some feedback or just want to chat with us about stuff. And on that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay, Stay Datable! The Datable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Datable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Datable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.